Hi, and welcome to Inglewood Presbyterian Church in Kirkland, Washington. We are a church for the neighborhood, whether you're a local neighbor or from far away, all are welcome here. We are pleased to present to you our weekly Sunday sermons. Our head pastor is James Cuman, and you can find more information about us on our website at inglewoodpc.org. Today's scripture reading is taken from Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, and chapter 4, verse 7. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What I am saying is that as long as an heir is under age, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. The heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when we were under age, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Good morning, Inglewood Presbyterian Church. I am delighted to be joining you this morning in your sermon series on freedom. This beautiful gospel good news that when we are found in Christ, we have this freedom that we receive as we become heirs to God's family. So today we are looking at the letter that the Apostle Paul writes to the churches in Galatia. We know this as the book of Galatians. In this book, Paul talks about how it is that he had spent time with these folks and had gotten to know them and had preached the gospel and it had been so well received. And then the Apostle Paul, in what we might consider him to be as an essential worker on behalf of the gospel, he needs to move on and preach this good news in other places. And so he uh, receives news from the different teams that he is leading as a leader of remote teams in different areas of the Roman Empire. He begins to hear that the church in Galatia is struggling with understanding the gospel. And he's kind of shocked by this news. We hear this in chapter one. He says he's stunned to discover that what is meant to be the good news of freedom that comes in Christ 
has been compromised in some ways. So this Sunday and next Sunday, we will be looking at two aspects of freedom that Paul highlights in this gospel where he actually teaches about freedom no less than 10 times in this short letter, but we're gonna look at two of them. Today's topic has to do with how it is that we receive freedom, that we are free to receive freedom to be in Christ, to be um, adopted into God's family, to enjoy this intimate connection with God, to be able to approach God as Father, and then to be the recipients of this glorious inheritance. So my prayer for us is that as we work our way through the passage that you have just heard, that we will come to understand anew what it means to be people that live in freedom, knowing Christ and being clothed in this new identity. So as we know, Paul has gone away and he is now writing to talk with these churches about how it is that they are meant to live. The book of Galatians is a particular favorite of the late uh, Presbyterian minister Eugene Peterson. And in an early work on Galatians, he writes this. This is a letter that has been used by God to restore vigor and passion into the life of faith. This letter of Paul demonstrates that all who receive the gospel, it is free to everyone to receive. And it is given freely to all of us, regardless of if we are Gentile or Jew, if we are slave or free, men or women. There is no distinction among those for whom this gospel is intended. It is meant to be made available and known to all so that we might freely receive its good news. So we know that Paul's a little bit frustrated with this church because they are acting as if they are not free. And so today's story that you just heard talks about adoption. We know that when it's important to get across an, a concept in a really impactful way, telling a story is really helpful. So Paul uses this idea that is well known in Roman culture, how it is that when a family finds that they do not have an heir, someone outside of the family may be adopted into the family through an act of redemption is the idea here. So when there is no heir, someone, a minor, often someone who is young, is identified as the person who will become the heir. But while they're young, Paul is telling us in this passage, the heir is without many advantages. The heir for a time has what's called guardians, people who are managing the minor's life and they are told what to do and what not to do. For example, what foods to eat, what um, foods to avoid, how to interact in social settings, how to behave within one's family. These guardians 
are people who teach the ways of this family to whom the one is being adopted into. The guardians, in other words, create order, okay? You do this, you don't do this, you live by the law of the guardian. But Paul is saying, no longer is this the case for you. No longer are we meant to live under guardians, people who would be the teachers of the law would be among those that he would have in mind. For in Christ, all are adopted as sons. And the use of the word son here is not meant to exclude women. It is simply the Roman practice that he is using to talk about this idea of adoption so that we're clear about what's going on here. So Paul uses then this beautiful imagery of how it is that when we are baptized, when we are received as disciples of Christ and we are baptized, we become clothed in Christ. We are dressed in this new identity um, as, as one would have a garment on. So this is something that most of us do daily, put on garments, of course, right? Before we leave the house, we might leave our house or apartment and forget our keys or forget our phone or forget something that's important but we're not likely to leave without a garment on we're not unlikely to leave without being clothed so this idea of remembering that we are clothed in christ that our identity when we are adopted into god's family and made heirs into this family of God. We are clothed in Christ. It is something that we daily are meant to be reminding ourselves of this new reality that all of us have in Christ. So being clothed in Christ means that we are now free to go about living into this new identity that we have. We are to live as though we have received this freedom. So how do we do this? This is a beautiful story that the Apostle Paul has told us and we might say, yep, that, that sounds about right. That sounds like gospel good news to me. I would like to be adopted into Christ's family. I would like to receive this grace that comes through Jesus Christ. How do we receive that freedom, what does that look like in our very own lives? So we know that Paul is trying to help us understand that the gospel is something that we receive. There is nothing that we have to do to earn it. No merit that we bring on our own. We need to simply receive what Christ offers us. And so the church has been going about remembering Jesus' teaching about his relationship with the Father being one of intimacy and calling um, the Father Abba, as Paul says here, which means it's like the equivalent of the English word daddy, how a child might reach out to a parent in the most endearing way, count, knowing that they can count on getting the full and undivided attention of that um, caregiver. 
So God in caring for us offers us this adoption into God's family, this intimacy of knowing the Father and receiving this inheritance. And Paul wants the church to understand and I hope that you will also come to understand through this lesson that this is what Christ provides for us, this glorious inheritance that we are meant to wear now like a garment, something that we put on every day to go about this life to which we are called to live. I wonder if you might think about your baptism. I think that baptism offers us a visual idea of what it means to be clothed in Christ. So often when one is baptized, whether as an infant or when one is older, one puts on sometimes a special garment in order to be baptized. Sometimes they're white robes. And I think that practice is meant to illustrate what Paul is saying right here is that when we are received into Christ, we are made new, we are washed clean. We are the recipients of grace that restores us into this right relationship with God. And Paul uses baptismal language here to describe how it is that we are initiated into the family of God, how we are really brought into the church as Presbyterians. That's one of the things we believe to be true is that when one is baptized, you're baptized into the church, whether a Presbyterian church or some other church. Whenever it is that you are brought into faith, you are baptized and brought in, received by that congregation, received by that church into membership in that congregation or that church family. There is one other illustration that I think really helps us and it's the second sacrament that we observe as the Presbyterian Church and that's communion. I think there is no more powerful story in all of scripture than when Jesus sat down with his disciples at the Last Supper and he offers to them this bread saying, this is my body which I give for you. As you do this, you remember me. How it is that we practice this gift of receiving freedom is that we remember what Christ has done for us. And I think this is why we practice communion on a regular basis. While one is baptized once, we need to continue to um, come to the table, to receive the meal that Christ gives to the church, to remind us that we receive communion, we receive these reminders of God's grace in the bread and in the cup, in these ordinary elements that we receive into our bodies. We are reminded of how it is that we are brought into Christ's family. Stories of faith that come from scripture that remind us of how it is that we access freedom are always stories about something that we receive as a gift from God. In this case, as our adoption into God's family. 
So in a moment here, we're going to have the opportunity to participate in communion and to be reminded yet again that this is Christ's body that is given for us and his blood that is shed for us. And as we receive this, we reenact Christ's gift of freedom, which is given to us. I really like how your pastor James talks about communion as a modified Passover, which means that we are reenacting the story of how it is that God provides for us to be a free people. For we have been set free by the gospel's good news. And we are meant to live as people who know this to be true and whose lives look like people who live in freedom. And when we look around us today and we see that there is in our community so much pain around a lack of freedom and a very present practice of oppression through racial injustice in these times in which we live, we know that the church is meant to speak into this situation and to be reminding everyone around us, our neighbors, our families, our colleagues and coworkers, really anyone who will listen, that all people are meant to be free is one of the greatest truths of scripture. It is the way God's story with the human family is told over and over again. And that's why I'm so drawn to the sermon series that you have been spending time in, soaking up this good news of what it means to be a free people. So may you this day be reminded through this passage in Galatians that we are receivers of freedom from Christ. We are dressed in that garment of freedom and we are meant to live as though it is true and to remind all around us that it is not only true for us, but it is true for all. Amen. In response to God's word, the church is invited to participate in observing what we call the Last Supper. As Pastor James referred to it, it's like a modified Passover. It is an opportunity for us to remember that it was God's idea to draw people out of slavery and into freedom. And it was God's provision that sent the one and only Son to be with us, incarnate among us, and providing all that we would need to be a people who are free to receive God's love and grace. And so this morning's invitation to you is to gather together some bread and some grape juice or wine or what you have at home. Ordinary elements of bread and of juice remind us of the tangibleness of God's grace to us. So if you need to hit the pause button at this point and go and gather up those things, please do so. And then come back, come to the table 
And if you have any questions about how it is that Inglewood Presbyterian Church has chosen to offer this opportunity to participate in communion, you can find a link online in the comments that will take you to a place where that is being explained. So I welcome you to come to the table, come and observe communion. If you know and love Jesus Christ and you endeavor to follow him as a faithful disciple, and if you find yourself longing to be a part of this freedom that we have in Christ, I welcome you to the table. For it is our Lord Jesus Christ who, while in the midst of a meal with his disciples, he took bread and when he blessed it, he broke it and he gave it to his disciples, saying to them, take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, likewise, later in the meal, Jesus took the cup and he said, in this is the new covenant, which is sealed in my blood, shed for the forgiveness of sins. As often as we partake of this cup, we do so in remembrance of him. For it is he who said to his disciples, take, drink of this. This is my blood, which is shed for you, given for the forgiveness of sins. The Apostle Paul says to the early church, as often as we partake of this bread and drink of this juice, we remember Jesus' death until he comes again. So please turn now to one another and let us share in this meal, this gift of communion. Amen. <laughs>